Welcome to Conversations on Wealth, a podcast dedicated to helping Canadians navigate the complexities of your wealth with a multidimensional approach to planning and wealth management. I'm Sarah Widmeyer, SVP and Head of Wealth Strategies at Richardson Wealth, and today we're discussing some of the challenges faced by adult children or caregivers of aging parents as they help them transition from home to retirement residence. Joining me today is a returning guest, in fact, our first guest, Life Transition Specialist Matt Delvecchio, President of Liana's Senior Transition Support. Hi, Sarah, thanks for having us back. Happy to be back, enjoying it. It feels like, you know, where did two years go? <laughs> it's amazing, <laughs> two years already. Glad to be your inaugural one, and uh, thank you for the invitation We're back. so glad to have you back. This is such an important conversation. Transitioning an aging parent or loved one from their home to a retirement residence might be the ideal solution to ensure they have an ease of living, care options, and companionship and activities close by. But despite these perks, the transition to retirement living isn't always that easy. And I can say that from a personal experience as my brother and I navigate this journey right now with our mom. This is especially true when our loved ones are resistant to change or believe that retirement living isn't for them. They're not ready. Matt, what are some of the warning signs you've seen that a loved one might need to make a move to a residence? And I might interject and add <laughs> some of my own warning signs that I've seen, but you're the expert. so Yeah, no, and the warning signs are certainly important both from the individual that's going through some life transitions and also more importantly for the adult children where the burden is usually on their shoulders of having to navigate these life transitions. So there's a few of them. I I start with physical. So look at some of the physical warning signs. Maybe mom or dad are, are at home. There may be some mobility issues. Stairs become difficult to navigate. Getting in and out of a bathtub now is becoming more difficult, more risks of slips and falls. So there's the physical portions of things. Even getting dressed and undressed sometimes could become uh, issues, putting on socks and shoes. Now, one of the, I guess, the more sensitive ones and something that you've been going through as well is on the cognitive side of things, when there's cognitive decline. This one's more challenging. There's a lot of denial and resistance whenever there's cognitive decline. Most of the time you don't think perhaps you're, you're, you're much better than you actually are. But now we might get into more serious warning signs where there may be some wandering episodes, just wanting to get out not realizing, forgetting to come back. Simple things like forgetting to pay bills, even getting things like expired food in the fridge, forgetting to turn the oven off, a fire risk, very big warning sign. Another one, and we're seeing this more and more, Sarah, is caregiver stress, especially now a couple years into the pandemic. Families have just tried to hang on the best they can. And It's the old adage of putting the oxygen on yourself, oxygen mask on yourself first before someone on the airplane because we are seeing time and time again where the caregiver is now getting more sick than the person they are taking care of. So Mm -hmm. caregiver stress has always been important, but even more so now we're seeing this during the latter stages, we're hoping, of the pandemic. And the last one is, in terms of a warning sign, would be loneliness and isolation. Yeah. particularly for those maybe uh, they've lost a spouse or a loved one and, and they're on their own. 
and uh, they're making a go of it at home. They just don't want to, you know, get rid of that home. They like the garden, and and uh, there's a lot of memories there. But deep down, there is that loneliness and isolation, and that's a real concern. It, it affects not just physically, but certainly mentally as well. So that's another warning sign that we always like to look out for, that maybe an alternative senior living environment might be better for mom and dad. Yeah. As you were um, mentioning them, I was kind of going through the snapshots in my in my mind, and we certainly experienced there were a couple of stove fires the other thing that I noticed is my mom was always very meticulous with the house. Things were always where they should be, and it was always very clean. And I started to notice that she just wasn't keeping up. And, you know, being of that generation, bringing somebody in to clean the house was just, you know, a non-starter. So that's what I started to notice as well, that things weren't quite as neat and clean as... I remembered them being. You're right. It doesn't have to be something major, but usually it is the little things that you start to notice a little more. And and you bring up a very good example of the cleaners. There's two things there. One, probably mom, and I'm generalizing here, not specifically to your mom, but she's probably thinking, I could still do it. And now you're getting into the pride aspect. Yes. And admitting that maybe there might be a little something off, but... They're going to put it off. I don't need a cleaner. Don't even bother bringing someone in to do a little housekeeping when really it's it's a perfect thing just to give mom a break and and yeah. and, and there's the whole safety and hygiene aspect as well. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. A little little steps. So as an adult child or a caregiver, you're starting to notice these warning signs. What are some of the tips that you would share to have the conversation? I will tell you that... We were lucky because my mom, I mean, it it sounds horrible, but it it was uh, the silver lining on a bad situation. She fell and she broke her wrist. Living alone, she couldn't look after herself. So thankfully, we had put our name in on a brand new retirement home in the city where she was living. So I was able to quickly get her in there, and that became how we did it. So we actually never had the conversation. We were were lucky, not lucky that... You know, we had an incident that forced our hand, which is not the way I'm recommending. (laughs) But to be clear, I'm not recommending that. So we never actually had the quote-unquote conversation. Yeah, like you say, it is a silver lining. In fact, we call those trigger events. So trigger events are very, very important. And I'll give a few examples. But even before trigger events, we always suggest try to start to have the conversation early. And it doesn't have to be like a week ago, two weeks ago, even earlier. I don't know, mom or dad are talking about doing their wills again or updating their wills. That's a conversation starter. Oh, by the way, do you have a power of attorney in there? You know, have you thought about advanced care directives? Have you discussed these things in these wills? You know, you're not being forceful, but you know, it's a conversation starter. But it's really the trigger events that we have to start looking for. So slips and falls, perfect trigger event. A hospitalization would be a conversation starter. Boy, what, you know, what happened? Are you okay? But why did it happen? And you start to inquire about that. We mentioned forgetting to pay some bills yeah. or, or some wandering. Um, you know, we've had episodes where the police have had to call in because, yeah. my goodness, you know, mom or dad hasn't hasn't returned home. A trigger event, actually, Sarah, could be something on the news that you see a podcast just like this. This is a trigger event. You're listening to this right now. Oh, you know, Mom, I, I was listening to the news or I heard a podcast about this. They brought up some interesting points. 
that's a conversation starter. You know, so you want to look for yeah. some of these things. Friends, neighbors, if they've gone through something like this, have those discussions. And another important, I guess, group of people would be the persons of authority. You know, you're off to a, the doctor's appointment. Doctors have probably even more influence than the children. You know, a lot of times the children, it's like, okay, what are you up to? You know, there's, what's the ulterior motive? And whereas doctors, they've got to listen to the doctors. If they're dealing with social workers, even conversations with their wealth planners or their accountants, Mm -hmm. these are all persons of authority that may actually have more say than even the adult children. So just trying to find different ways to start conversations about life transitions and what, what would you want later in life? And so this is a question that I hadn't planned to ask you, but it's a question that comes from my own personal experience. What happens when you're met with such resistance? What we started to do is we started to bring help into the home. My mom refused to pay for it. We paid for it. And then we transferred funds to, to you know, pay the bills that we were paying on her behalf to make it safe and possible for her to stay in her house probably longer than what she should have done. But so again, speaking from personal experience, those conversations were not good conversations. Um, She was not happy with us. Uh, So any tips or advice to help people in that situation? Yeah, I think first of all, going into it, understand there will be resistance. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Because once we start getting confrontational and adversarial, then, you know, your button heads, know that there will be resistance. Denial and resistance, very common. Most of the time, moms and dads think they're better than they actually are. And that's okay. God bless them. This is why they're survivors. This is why they've done so well. But going into it, knowing there's resistance and not wanting to, to pick a fight. One of the things we always advise is not this is going to be good for you. You know, this is what you should do. You know, don't be patronizing. Yeah. Um, But how is it starting to affect the children? How is it starting to affect you? Mm. You're, you're a busy person. You, you have a job, you've got children of your own, typical sandwich generation, you know, and moms and dads will tend, maybe there's a little guilt in there. Okay. But they will tend to listen a little bit more when they truly understand how it's affecting the children. And you've had to take off work often. In fact, some people have, have even left work. Yeah. And, Ma, we need a little help. We need you to be understanding. And yeah. it's sort of reversing it a little bit, but that always helps. It's not going to solve the resistance, no. but it's planting seeds, having these conversations, looking at trigger events, having a conversation. It might not, you know, home aging in place that you're talking about. We're going to talk about that, in fact, I believe later on. But aging in place is also important. No one's trying to force anyone to move. Let's try to arm you at home. But it usually starts with that cleaning lady example. Yeah. <laughs> There's a small little example, yeah. but that's planting a yeah. seed and then you're just building it up. Yeah. I remember my parents who were both teachers when we had teenage girls who are going to cringe when they hear this. But in terms of meeting that resistance, my my parents would say, keep talking to them. They're listening. They are listening. Keep talking to them. So, you know, as you said, plant the seed. They're listening. And no, you don't want to use guilt. But I, I think it does help to position the impact that it's having on you, their child, who they would do anything for. That's right. Yes, there's the guilt aspect, but all you're doing is stating the facts, yeah. you know, because this is the truth. The sandwich generation these days, is it's very, very difficult on them. Yeah. So changing gears then. So we've had the conversation, we're having the conversation. 
and now we're starting to look for a senior living community. What are the things that we should be looking for and what are the things we should be looking out for? Right, yes. A very good question because we always begin when we go on tours with families, the first absolute priority item is will this senior living community be able to provide the care not just today but for tomorrow? Right. Okay, so you want to find some place that can provide some form of continuum of care. You know, hopefully going in, being proactive, as independent as possible. But let's face it, with aging, where it's going to be more care. So care is number one yeah. on the agenda. Do they have that ability to do that? Is it the right culture and environment for mom or dad? For example, you may have some that would likes the big cruise ship, retirement home, tons of social activities and things going on. They want their kitchen perhaps or kitchenette, do their own thing, but still participate in many of the things. They have the pharmacy or the convenience store downstairs. They have a doctor on site. Religious reasons, language reasons. Do you see yourself fitting in there? By the way, the answer on the first tour is usually going to be, no, only old people live there. That's, that's the answer I get all the time. And, and, but, but you are 89 and the average place is, age is 85 here. But, <laughs> but you, we get that a lot. You know, at The type of apartment. If you're, and I'll give you an example. If you're in a big four-bedroom home, well, you're probably going to want something like a, at least a two-bedroom or one-bedroom, two-bedroom apartment as opposed to a smaller studio. You know, a little bit of a downsize. But if you're already in an apartment or in a condo, maybe, you know, a smaller one-bedroom or even a studio might be appropriate. Right. So you want to make sure they have the right types of apartment offer. Do you need food included or not? Many, it, and it varies right across the country. But some you can get some meals included. But speaking of food, it's actually very important. You know, it's the, super the, important. The culinary oh experience. Oh my gosh, it's super important. <laughs> like you should see when I visit my mom now. I mean, it's they've got plates of food out and, and everybody's gathered around to see oh, what's for dinner. Mm. And, and oh, it's super important. Super. Both from the nutritional perspective, but also on that. Variety. Uh, well, and the social yeah. aspect, this, they're looking yes. to get down to the dining room and, and you're talking to people and you're not stuck in your apartment. So- um, we always like during tours, we always ask uh, to see if they would be willing to do a complimentary lunch for the individual or the family, which mm-hmm. serves two purposes. One, check out the food yeah. and check out the menu. But more importantly, do you see yourself fitting in with the crowd as right. this is your type of people? So food is important. Something that wasn't normally on our list, but infection prevention and control um, is now becoming more important, obviously, with pandemic. Safety and security, or is, is the whole place sprinklered? Is the individual apartment uh, sprinklered? Is there a reception at the front of the lobby or not? Your budget obviously has to come into play, yeah. and geography has to come into play. And just a real quick one on geography. You, as an adult child, have to go into this with where is mom or where is dad 24-7? Because sometimes we see the children try to influence mom or dad to come closer to the family because the grandchildren will come see you and they'll yeah. be there. And yes, that may be true. But if you truly you have to look in the mirror and if you're only going to be visiting once a week or the grandchildren once every couple of weeks, but mom or dad are there 24-7, geography should not be the number one criteria compared to the care and culture and environment. That's such a great piece of advice. We kept mom in a home five minutes from where she lived. And 
it wasn't by accident, but I didn't realize the full benefit of that. It's a familiar part of town. Mm -hmm. Neighbors are moving in. People that mom worked with are moving in. People that dad worked with that mom knew are moving in. So it's it's like a neighborhood that is getting transplanted from where she was to now where she is. And oh my God, if I had moved her closer to Toronto, she would never have benefited from that. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, probably the loneliness factor would have even been bigger and the guilt for me to get there even more than I do probably would have would have you know weighed heavily on all of us. Sure. And looking back, I'm I'm sure you look and and, and you know you made the right decision. This may be a little bit more painful for you time-wise and, and yeah, travel-wise, sure. yeah. but f- you have to look it's at right it. What's her. best for mom? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that that is such an important piece of uh, advice. Okay, so we've found now the ideal place we want to move in. What are your tips for a smooth, stress-free transition? And boy, oh boy, <laughs> can I tell you that a four-bedroom house with furniture... I think three pieces of furniture, four pieces of, okay, five pieces if I count the bedside tables went into that apartment. The the downsizing process is sometimes it's so overwhelming that some people know they have to move, but they just don't do it because they're thinking about that part, the yeah. downsizing. It's, it's, it's too much. No, and they put it off. So a couple uh, suggestions and, and tips. First of all, Try to find where you're going first and actually move first. Let's say you had to sell a condo or sell a home. You know, this generation typically thinks, well, I'm going to have a closing date of August 1st and I'm going to move in on August 1st. It's a big mistake. Yeah. The move itself is going to be stressful, especially as we age and we get older. The burden of moves very often turn into the adult children's problems Get mom settled in to wherever she's going. If you have the financial luxury to be able to pay rent for a couple of months so you don't need that asset of the sale of the house or condo, do it. Get mom settled in because it's invasive. People are touring and and they're staging and they're going through everything and you don't need that stress. The stress of a move is is, is better. So number one, try to move first and don't worry about having it land on the exact same date of move out and move in. Decide on what's going, what can fit, what can't fit. You brought up a very good point because just like you said, not everything's going to fit. And so a couple of downsizing tips. Start early. You could start this, you know, years in advance if you want, bit by bit. Try it one room at a time and start with the rooms that aren't used the most. The okay. spare bedroom, the basement, a garage. Mm-hmm. And you create three piles. The yes pile, this is definitely going with me the maybe pile, and the no pile. And the key is, if you take a break, you take that no pile with you and you get rid of it right away because what's going to happen is you're going to think about it and all of a sudden that no moves to the maybe pile and the maybe moves to the yes pile. So little tricks like that starting starting your way through. And then eventually you're going to have to find place for your stuff. And... We could say stuff, but you don't call it stuff with mom and dad. No. You're talking no. memories. This is yeah. a, this is very difficult, yeah. right? Yeah. It's, and and it's the kids and and so. On. But spoiler alert to parents that are looking to go through this: 
the kids really don't want your stuff. It's yeah. it's and it's heartbreaking because they usually came from nothing. They spent a fortune on that bedroom furniture or that dining room table or their crystal or that silverware or those Royal Daltons that are in yes. the, and guess what? <laughs> the the kids don't want it. And so it's it's a bit of a challenge. So there are places for it. We're a big, big believer in supporting those in need. Yes. Um first generation immigration, refugees. They will gladly take whatever furniture that they can get if it will fit into their apartments. So we're seeing tremendous amounts of donations and sort of a second life. The last thing you want is your beautiful furniture to be thrown out, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. If you know you're giving family a second life, then that's what we want to try to aim for. 100%. And I would just finish it off by there are now, it's, it's an industry, there are downsizing specialists. Yes. Go out and talk to them. See what they're about and hire a downsizing specialist, it will be the best investment that you could do because it's going to give you some peace of mind and give mom and, and dad a peace of mind. These downsizing specialists are, are amazing. We we actually did use one to help us. Oh. I, my parents had been in the house for 50 years. So you can imagine mm. it was 50 years of accumulated stuff. And we hired that downsizing outfit. And it was the best decision that we made. Mm-hmm. It really was. Very smart. Yeah. Okay. So... One of the issues around this transition for the caregiver or adult child is the guilt. And this is, I can't even look at you when I say that word, because the guilt that I feel is at sometimes crippling. The guilt is, it's, you, you just, you feel such guilt. And so what's your advice on how to deal with the guilt, please, of transitioning a loved one from their cherished home? And I'll one-up you. We just sold my mom's home, and she doesn't know it. Now, she has Alzheimer's, and with Alzheimer's, you have to keep her on a a steady emotional plane, and the selling of her home would tip her down the scale in terms of her cognitive ability. So we've just sold the family home, and mom doesn't know. So you can imagine the guilt that... uh, I have sitting beside you today. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> Please help and, me. And <laughs> uh, um, this is probably the most difficult, and we could have a whole other episode oh, on God. guilt. So I'll, I'll, I'll just try to be as condensed and brief as possible. And we could hear it in your voice. I'm looking at you here, even though it's a <laughs> podcast. And it's already been done, but yeah. there's still the guilt. Oh. And, and by the way, very normal and very natural. And one of the toughest things that families have to go through However, usually where we see increased bouts of guilt is when a decision is made at a higher level of care. You know, it's usually not a situation where it's proactive moving into this beautiful retirement home. This is what everyone wants. If it gets to a stage, particularly when we're dealing with cognitive challenges, Alzheimer's, dementia, and higher levels of care, this is where we start to see the guilt because it's natural that the caregiver, whether it's the spouse or the adult children, want to keep mom or dad age in place as long as possible. And it's very emotional. And the the key, easier said than done, but the key is to try to take it from emotional to a rational decision, okay? And there's a process to go through that. And again, difficult. But you should ask yourself four questions. Okay. First, safety and security. Is mom in a safe and secure environment? 100%. So if she's in a safe and secure environment at home. Well, in her new home. In her new home. 
but where she was. The no. guilt is usually yeah. comes no. when it comes time yeah. to place, no. right? No. So I'm talking if we're in the at home now and the guilt, is it time to move? Is it not? A, so you have to, is it safe and secure? Mm-hmm. One thing. Uh, if, if someone's on their own, living on their own, safety and security is even a bigger factor. Second, are you as a caregiver able to truly provide the proper care? And what I mean by that, by the way, one in four Canadians, unpaid caregivers yeah. is what the stats are. Um, has any caregiver been to school for caregiving courses? <laughs> no. Not one. No. Every caregiver has been thrown into that role and they're winging it. And yeah. they're trying to do the best they can because they love their, their, their loved one. So you have to ask yourself, are you able to provide that proper care? As care increases, you know, you're helping out, no problem. But all of a sudden, mobility issues, and you can't get in and out of that bathtub. You can't transfer from bed. Well, guess what? The caregiver is now doing contortion acts, trying to help out. And usually the caregiver is a miniature size compared to the husband, let's say, that they're trying to take care of. We're dealing with, you know, ergonomics now. and, and And even more difficult is cognitive care. You know, five, six, seven, eight, you've gone through many years of seeing the progression of Alzheimer's with your mom and you're adapting along the way. But are you now at a point where you can provide the proper care? Can you distract? Can you redirect? Are you prepared to hear the endless repetitive questions and it becomes a little bit more difficult? So are you able to provide the proper care? Do you, number three, do you have the caregiver and support system in place? If you can't do it on your own, what happens? Is there an adult children yeah. that, that can come in? Is there government-funded home care support that can come in? So if you've got that support for you, great. Last one is financial. And, you know, wealth planning comes into play yes. here. Yes. Because costs usually start at a minimal. Then it starts increasing and you're hiring more and more home care. And if you can afford it, great. So back up, ask yourself these four questions. Is it safe and secure? Are you able to provide the proper care? Do you have the support systems in place? And can you afford it? Then great, you can continue your best to age at home. If you can't honestly look in the mirror and say, you know what? No, we've got a couple X's on these checkboxes. Now you're moving it from emotion to rational. Right. And you're still going to feel guilty, but because you're rationalizing it, you'll feel a little bit more comfortable with your decision. And by the way... And I think you're a prime example. Don't be surprised that mom may actually be in a better place than where she was at home after the transition period. Yeah. You're feeling better. Mom is feeling better. She's with her friends. She's socializing. She's been taken care of. So it's always the fear of this is going to be terrible. Look what we hear on the news when in reality, don't be surprised if it's not as bad as you think it is. Yep. I totally agree. And I would say the relief that I felt and my brother felt knowing that she was safe and secure. That was our our biggest, you know, with with the with the couple of stove fires and mm-hmm. and she had a, a bout of dizziness and fell and you know it, she could be lying there for a day before someone would know that she was, you know, in distress. So I I, I would say yes, the guilt the guilt is less than the guilt was. There still is guilt, but knowing that she's safe and secure, the relief that floods over you when you know that is uh, worth the journey.
Matt, I could just keep going and going with you. It's such a pleasure to talk to you, and and you're so helpful, and and your advice is so common sense, but really important to hear. Any closing thoughts you'd like to share with us? You know, I would probably just say, understand that there will be life transitions. And I always find the families that I work with that are handling it the best are those that are able to adapt and cope. And be prepared to adapt. Yeah. Because, as you know, I have a, a weekly radio show. It's called Life Unrehearsed. Yes, you're big time now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's because life is indeed unrehearsed. No yeah. matter how well That's you true. plan, you're going to get thrown some curveballs. So be prepared to adapt. And those that can adapt more easily can usually go through these life transitions a little better. Yeah, yeah. Well said. I'd like to thank our special guest, Matt Delvecchio, for joining us today and sharing his expertise on this important topic. If you'd like to learn more about how we at Richardson Wealth can help you or your loved one navigate through the significant life transition, you can visit our website at richardsonwealth.com. You can also follow Richardson Wealth on LinkedIn or Facebook for a broad range of information on many planning topics, including this one. Thank you all for listening and be sure to tune in for future episodes and more great advice. 